Hi everyone and welcome again to our second bonus episode for Paper Girls where we're going to be talking this time about issues 11 through 20 aka volumes 3 and 4 if you're following along. So we'll jump in if you uh, haven't listened to the first episode um, definitely recommend that you do so. Um, because if you're not, you're you're crazy. Because <laughs> like, why are you listening to the second episode if you haven't listened to the first episode yet? Um, but I now also crazy because I haven't introduced my uh, partner in crime here. Um, as always, Richard is with me to talk about this. I I, I wasn't aware we were doing crimes today. I would have ah. brought my ski mask. We're doing time crimes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I guess we are. <laughs> we are. All right. So, all right. I guess we'll uh, we'll jump in. Um, actually, so this was your first time reading through three and four. Um, and I know you enjoyed one and two. Did it? Did three and four uh, keep up the uh, the quality for you? Oh yeah, no, no, no. I really enjoyed three and four. I think I might have enjoyed one and two a little bit more. But like, I I always like uh, the world building issues or episodes more than like when they're actually living in the world so <laughs> like as i'm as i get more familiar with the world and i can kind of see what's going on i o- always enjoy things a little bit less but no this is still great i mean everything the writing the story the art everything's on point yep and, and it's great like how the pacing is with the world building and like how they and like there's resolutions like there's literally a resolution in volume three for something that happened in volume two that I was not expecting when I first read it to not happen until the end. And mm-hmm. um, that's the hockey stick thing. Like they literally resolved that like within like pages of like the next volume. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, well, I guess we'll, we'll jump into it now. Um, so uh, if you join us again, uh, the girls, they zapped into prehistoric times at the end of volume two. So that's where we're at right now. Uh uh, every volume I noticed this time going around, I didn't realize it the first time. It it starts with the nightmare. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Like, every every character has a that's a pretty cool continuity kind of like kind of continuation of a theme, you know. That each one starts with a, a nightmare every single volume, and um, so the KJ wakes up from her bad dream and sees that Aaron is already awake and reading the funnies in the newspapers that she still is carrying along with her. She carries in the entire series, which is hilarious, that she keeps her newspapers. Uh, the uh, So Mac had already left uh, to go smoke her last cigarette, and she's then held up by arrow point by a prehistoric young girl. Um, the, the girl gets distracted by a falling star, so Mac bites her off. The other girls come to Mac's rescue. Notice that the girl's carrying a baby on her back, so they don't want to attack her. They all kind of become friends. Uh, the baby... You know, starts to cry. The girl starts to, uh, the girl uh, then breastfeeds it, kind of signifying that even though this girl is like 12 years old, she's the mom of the of the baby. And um, they are then attacked by the um, the giant sloth, cre- like a giant sloth creature, which I guess, yeah, those are those, I guess the giant sloths did exist back then. So that's actually a, like an, a prehistoric accurate character or monster. And um, uh, I was going to say, back then he was just a sloth. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And it wasn't a giant sloth. That was just a regular sloth. Uh, but Mac is uh, thrown into the river and KG jumps after her. After her, um, The 
the falling star actually turned out to be Dr. Kanta Bronstein, who is the first time traveler. Um, it was her little time pod that she that she had invented and created. And she reveals that we're actually now in the year 11706 BCE. So yes, we are definitely in prehistoric times. Um, meanwhile, uh, the prehistoric girl, don't worry, I'll get to her name soon, um, <laughs> brings down the sloth with a single arrow and then faints from all the, the happenings. And <clears throat> the girl wakes up to, um, with um, Aaron... She had put the translator from the variant Aaron um, onto her so she can talk uh, or they can understand each other. And um, and then so War- she reveals that her name is Wari. And Wari explains that the dream woman uh, told her to keep on uh, watching Fallen Stars. Um, and that's why, that's why she got distracted earlier. And um, she's also avoiding three uh, the three men that's as she calls them from her former tribe, um, mm. because they all claim to be her baby. What's her baby's name is Japo. Um, they claim to be the father, and they basically want to claim the kid as their own and possibly sacrifice the baby, as we find out later. Um, so um, she kind of was like, "Screw this!" and then she went off on her own. Um, she also, just to note, like has like microchips and everything around her neck, like. Um, when you meet the three men, they also too are like they look prehistoric. However, they're you know they have like the the symbols of like a um, like a tape deck, like and like one of them pe- has a rad space helmet. Yes, and one has a space helmet exactly. So they so it's been obvious that like this prehistoric time has been polluted by futuristic stuff, which also explains why there's that Baphomet like with the Apple symbol on the hill um, that that we talked about in the first volume. So, um, so anyways, let's see. Um, so, uh, um, oh, wow, I lost my face. Oof. Okay, so uh, meanwhile, um, KJ uh, rescues Mac and uses CPR to get her to wake up. Uh, they're drying the clothes, and, and um, all of a sudden, KJ starts bleeding from from the leg or what looks like the leg, but it turns out it's actually she's ha- having her first period, which really freaks Mac out <laughs> more than KJ. KJ's kind of like cool with it, like even though it's yeah, KJ's kind of just rolling with it, and yeah. then Mac's freaking out. Yeah, exactly. Which is kind of funny because you would think it would be the other way around. Um, so but- it, it is funny, like as a character trait, because Mac, you know, seems to portray herself as the bo- boss. Yes. but like anything. Like anything adult that isn't violence, she is very like squeamish around. Yeah, absolutely. She like definitely. I think she's the one that really wants to hold on to her childhood as much as possible. Right. Like 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 she's at the same time wants to be like grown and in charge of herself and you know boss people around. But like yeah, she there's like an innocence to her that like her gruffest exterior doesn't you you wouldn't imagine with yep. her gruff exterior. Absolutely not. No, she she definitely is like the most childlike, almost like a lot of these times. Um, mm-hmm. But also, our, our time traveler friend Kanta Quanta, it's Q Q A N T A. So Kanta is how Kanta. There's no, since there's no U, I yeah. assume Kanta. Yeah. Okay. So Kanta is captured by three the three men uh, that Rory was warning about, um, and um, she's kind of tied up. Uh, Rory. Also, then shows Tiff and Aaron 
one of the folds that the junk from the future has been coming out of. Aaron figures that this is the fold that uh, that she saw KJ's field hockey stick sticking out of in 2016. So she has the stick in hand because uh, she was holding it as KJ jumped into the water. Um, and she carves out the message and puts the stick into the hole. So that's what I was just saying earlier. That's a resolution mm-hmm. from an earlier part of the book. Um, and then um, KJ and Mac, um, they find um, Kanta's time machine and KJ stands a pair of rocket boots from there, which are very important for the story as we get along. Um, KJ and, and Mac then find a pyramid-shaped creature um, that's very similar to that spherical creature that we saw before. Uh, KJ touches it and instead of like reliving the past, this one shows the future. So she gets a bunch of like premonitions, including her kissing, um, oh, excuse me, kissing uh, Mac. And so, she, um, right before she's able to like kind of resolve all this in her head, um, they they kind of they all uh, they hear Kanta um, screaming for help. Uh, they've all reunited by this time. So um, KJ uh, volunteers, and she's the fastest to run as a distraction. So she runs by the um, by the the men while the the other three untie Kanta, and um, KJ's running running away. She gets to a cliff. The whole time, the wheels are turning in her head, like wondering why she's gonna kiss Mac. And then as she's jumping, also she's like, "Oh, that's why." And I think that's like her resolution that she realizes that she's gay, like after she jumps the cliff with her rocket boots, and uh, it's like. It's like yeah. a ravine. Like it's like a deep thing that she's jumping to. Yeah. And I don't think she was a hundred percent sure that they were rocket boots. Yeah, exactly. I think she was just taking a leap of faith. And uh so the girls put Kanta, uh plus Kanta and minus KJ meet at the pyramid when Rory shows up um and reveals that the men had kidnapped Joppo during this whole time. Uh the men are about to sacrifice Joppo next to a large folding. When I was gonna the, say they not only kidnapped Joppa, they beat the shit out of her. Like she looks yeah. worse for wear. It's pretty she, awful. She definitely fought, uh, fought back. And um, when um, so they're about to they're about to sacrifice Joppa, and the girls um, using the Apple Apple device from earlier, which also Kanta reveals was owned by a Frankie Tomata. Um, at least that was the name that was on there, and also the microchips that Rory was wearing. They put it all together to create like this weird diversion like device that's going to confuse everybody. Um, so they throw it out there. Um, Rory grabs Joppo and is about to get axed by the leader of the three men because he's wearing a helmet and he's not as affected as the rest of them are. And um, when Kanta then uses the, her rocket boots and gets in between the axe and Rory and gets stabbed in the back. Um, KJ then attacks the main man before he can kill Kanta and kills the man. And Kanta then tells the girls to run to her ship so that they can escape uh, to their own time v- before the ship flies off via timer. Um, they have, it has a timer on the ship that's just going to relaunch back into their own time if they don't get there in time. Um, the girls don't make it in time and are whisked away through time because they're near the pod. And the next scene shows Tiff waking up by herself um, by a burning Applebee's and being harassed by a cough about being a looter during Y2K, <laughs> which is related to the blackouts that are happening. And there's also a giant red robot, uh, a bunch of them in the background, and they're all throughout the city. 
and that's how we end volume three. So kind of a so cool, cool, a cool wake up, you know, like, and, um, and then like, I like the fact that um, when we're going to get into Y2K, like how the, you know, like there wasn't really a lot of weird things that happened for us who went through Y2K, you know, like, but in this continuity, like there was like blackouts and like large explosions and no one knew what they were, but they all just like, like they, they say, oh, that was just Y2K doing Y2K things. They did because they don't see the robots. So I think that's kind of a cool like explanation to like, mm-hmm. like how humanity just moved on thinking that, oh, that was just normal. But even though it really wasn't, there was literally a time battle going on <laughs> where they couldn't see it. So, well, also, they're gonna, whatever they can remember, they're gonna just wipe their minds anyway. So, that's true. That's true. So, okay. Well, we'll go ahead and get into volume four. Uh, so, it starts with a younger looking grandfather um, speaking to the prioress, which great character design, by the way, for the prioress. I love the, the headpiece and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's basically there's a symbol drawn on grandfather's head, and she's basically wearing that symbol, like as yeah. as, as a costume. So she looks like she'd fit it in a Naboo. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's a good. That's a good take. I, yeah, I could totally see that. And the uh, Prioress, um, she kind of seems like she's she's like not kind of she is like the, the high priestess of the old timers, and like grandfather is like also like one of the leads so they're they're basically the one and two essentially of of the old timers and they're they're both in a in a mech uh the mech looks like a zaku gundam if you're familiar with like gundam wing um you know like a like a robot like humanoid body with like kind of like a camera top to it like a with a a cyclops top to it um but they're they're writing i was gonna say as a as a Gundam nerd, it doesn't really look like a Zaku, but it does it does have a mono eye basically. Yeah, but yeah, it's a it's a very standard. You know, it's it's more of a bulkier, like a Transformers or for the younger kids, Mega XLR type of frame. But yeah, it definitely has a mono eye, and the the uh, other mech that it's fighting is a hundred percent Evagallian influence. Yes. Very slender fa- frame with a big wide chest and you know a similar type of head and very slender limbs, but yeah, very Evangelian influence. Which we find out that's what the time the 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 uh, teenagers that's their mech. Yes, and uh, which is kind of cool too because like obviously the Eva unit looks a lot more futuristic than the the uh, other mech unit like the Alzheimer's mech, and so I, that was that was kind of cool to see it like. You know, obviously things evolve. You know, um, so they're attacking each other. Um, the you find out later, like so, the Prioress and uh, and grandfather are are piloting the the old timers mech, and then the teenagers mech is um, our our friends Heck and Naldo and uh, Jude. Actually, you learn is the third person's name, the one that got killed in uh, nineteen eighty eight. So. Um, so this is this is these are happening in their continuity, obviously because grandfather is a lot younger, um, before the events that we happened in volume one, because time travel shenanigans. Right. So um so uh Tiff wakes up, like I said, outside the Apple Applebee's that's on fire, is getting harassed by a cop. Cop doesn't see the mechs, but Tiff does. Uh 
Aaron, Mac, and KJ, they wake up uh, in the Stony Brook Mall or Stony Side Mall. Um, and, but this time it's in 2000 instead of 2016, like where they were before. Um, there's a blackout and there's looters. Everyone's blaming white 2 canes um, instead of the, uh, the back battle that they can't see. Um, Aaron figures out due to Conta saying who owned the device, uh, which was that Frankie Tomata, um, that they that there's a comic called Frankie Tomata that she probably has something to do with, or the writer of this has something to do with the uh, with with the time traveling stuff. So um, Aaron uses um, the white pages and takes the actual the entire white pages. Uh, um, from the telephone because she doesn't want to ruin a book, so she doesn't want to interrupt the page that has the the address of the uh, the person they're looking for. Um, and they go to the house of um, of C. Uh, who um, turns out to be a woman instead of a guy, because um, I oh they were going by Chuck Sepeshsky, Ch- I think, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and but the person's name is Charlotte. And changed the name because um, her dad had said that no one wanted to read a comic from a woman. So that's why she went by the masculine name. But it turns out she knows everything there is to know about these teenagers. Uh, and she was a former ally and actually a current ally as well. And that um, she had met Jude um, aforementioned back in the 50s and, and basically recruited her to their side. And she's been writing. Um, she has a, a detector of foldings and she writes code in the newspaper and the funnies of where the 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 foldings are going to show up so um basically because you got to remember the uh the younger guys are from a further future than the old timers so she needed to they needed to set up a code to send the messages that the old timers wouldn't know what to look for exactly and this is a perfect delivery system yeah, because the old timers are probably not reading the comics anyways. Um, the 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 Ava unit, I'm gonna call it the Ava unit, because I think that's the easiest way to describe it. Um uh the that's being piloted. Um they're they get into a skirmish with uh, the the uh, the mech that grandfather and pirates are are fighting um in and um the police car that Tiff was in. It crashes into the foot of the Eva unit and uh, and it knocks out the cop. Tiff pulls the cop out and sees a flying robot. Um, these these all these flying robots that are racing the memory of everyone around, including the cop, and decides that she needs to go to her parents' house. Um, uh, so she's um, meanwhile um, Charlotte using the computer that to find the foldings figures out where Tiff had landed. And then pulls a gun on the girl, said that they're, she's not going. They're not going anywhere, um, and because that would compromise the teenagers' war because they knew too much. Because if they got caught by the old timers, then they would they would spill secrets to the uh, to the other side. Um, but then um, the other three girls they escape Charlotte uh, via a nice throw of newspaper by Aaron um, and that turns off the lines or turns off the lights and uh, they trap her in the house and they go to Tiff's house to find her because they figure that's where she would go. Tiff gets to her home in the meantime and she finds like it kind of wrecked from a party and there's a goth guy just like sitting there 
and the goth guy, <laughs> like total two thousands goth. By the way, like if you're familiar with the the the, the well, eras, like of he's goth. very much into the crow and the yeah. hair at the same time. Absolutely, and um, then the guy explained, and he's also smoking the clove cigarette, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. And um, he explains to younger Tiff that he's actually uh, older Tiff's uh, husband, um, named Chris. So <laughs> that's kind of a surprise to uh, to Tiff. And um, so, um, they're uh, so Tiff kind of convinces Chris that she's from the past, that she's her, you know, she's his wife, but you know, twelve year old. Um, and they're and so Chris gets nervous about what's going on and wants to go find older Tiff, um, and who went to a liquor store to get more alcohol, and um, so he opens the door. Three girls are, are actually. They make it to the house, um, and uh, they all get reunited. Uh, meanwhile, the Ava and the Zaku, or the the, the other Gundam, or, or the other mech, um, are they were fighting, but the Eva unit disappears. They don't know where it hap- where, what happened to it. Um, during that kind of brief time, the prior it makes it kind of evident that the grandfather and the prioress are kind of have a romantic relationship together as well. Like they're like they're in love with each other. Besides being the leaders of this of the uh, old timers group, and mm-hmm. the, the Eva unit reappears. About the Zaku attacks it. Um, it causes a fatal blow to the mech, as well as at the same time it has a fatal blow taken to it as well. Both both disarming both mechs, but the mech that the prior grandfather in um, got caught more damage. And it the crash actually kills the prioress, which puts grandfather into a you know not a good mood, and he swears lethal revenge on those particular teenagers and basically all teenagers at that time. Um, so um, Tiff sees this um, happening, and right when it's happening, she yells at everyone to go into the basement, and that right when right when. Um, she yelled out for when they go in the basement is when that that uh, the mech that Priorus and grandfather were in uh, crashed into their house and destroys her house, which yeah. is crazy. Um, so so luckily she can see them. Um, so they but she's the only one to see them. The yes. other girls don't see them either. So so um, meanwhile uh, the teenagers mech is also damaged and they they run by, uh, out by the older tip. You see older Tiff trying to get into a liquor store. Uh, that's closed because of Y2K, um, and the the te- the the girls unite with older Tiff. Um, had that you know moment where like you're me from the future, you're me from the past, you know kind of thing going on. Um, and older Tiff can also see the mechs. Um, it's later described by um, by Charlotte, who we mentioned earlier, that it makes sense that because they came through a different location through the folding that their their perception is a little bit different than the rest of them. So that's why they can see the mechs when no one else can. You know, like sci-fi explanation from Mumbo Jumbo, essentially. You know, like, you know, like, just to make, make things make sense in, within continuity. Um, but they flee to a nearby church where they are, uh, they're found by a group of old-timers who mistake them for the teenagers, and um, they zap Chris trans- with the transporting ray from, from earlier, and uh, Chris is sent to the ship, and um, then Charlotte shows up, 
and shoots them and takes them down. Uh, but unfortunately, doesn't kill the old timers completely when the old timers are still alive and incinerates uh, Charlotte and causes the church to, to set up, uh, catch on fire as well. Kind of a gruesome death. Very. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so at the, also um, during all this happening, Mac kind of secretly confides to Aaron that she suspects that KJ is a replacement because she told Mac that she was a lesbian. And um, so Aaron confronts KJ because she kind of wants the truth with um, everybody if they're going to go through this together. And so KJ's like proves to Mac through like what she knows about Mac. Um, and their first meeting, that she's the real KJ, and she's also, in fact, a lesbian. You know, like, she is what she says she was, um, and she's not a clone. Um, so they find the abandoned Ava unit that they all can see, because I think because it got disabled, and um, that's the same one that the, the teenagers were when they killed the Prioress, and um, they're able to boot it up due to Tiff's uh, innate gaming skills, and they travel through time. Um, the mech is seen by the grandfather um, right before they are about to leave. They're in a, he's in a larger mech, and um, he orders the crew to kill everyone inside the Ava unit. The, um, meanwhile, uh, the three teenagers that were in that mech, they, fl- they fled, um, as aforementioned. Um, they went to the sewers, and sure enough, they catch up with the time pod capsule that the girls were interacting with in volume one. Um, so in a different point of time, you can tell because grandfather is older the way he was in volumes one and two. Um, he, he's informed that the Ava unit and inhabitants have, have uh, been located in their current time. And sure enough, yeah, the older girls and Tiff arrive in the future uh, at the same time as where the, the old timers are operating out of. Um, the, um, they basically say, uh, and he's under the impression that these are the kids, the teenagers from the future um, that killed the Prioress. So he's, he's definitely helping right. finding them. And that ends volume four. So, so yeah, he kind of goes off the deep end because he and the old timers are very much about whatever their prime directive is and not, you know, changing the past. But now he's like, oh, yeah, we can kill everything. It's totally cool. <laughs> yeah, emotions get in the way and he basically... It's kind of off the handle for a little bit, and he's he's like, yeah, let's just let's just take care of everybody until we get these these, these damn teenagers, which, um, yeah, so absolute power, you know, he's the guy in charge, and that's what happens. Um, all right, well, that was volumes three and four. Uh, that you I know, mean, I really enjoyed it. A lot of action. I I really like the Charlotte character. I love that she's helpful. And then mm-hmm. I love that she's insane. And then she does save the day. Um, and then she gets, you know, chumped out pretty badly, you know, when that guy incinerates her. Though I think you kind of brushed past it. Aaron, uh, uh, like, kicks that dude in the head, but, like, snaps his neck. It's pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. No. The, yeah, the, the the girls themselves, like, I know when KJ killed the, the caveman, like, she's feeling... That is also very brutal, yes. Yeah, and, like, and like she has a remorse for it, but it's, like, you can tell that they're doing what they need to do, you know, like, and, like, they're, they're all of them are getting a little more violent as they're trying to protect themselves, and, yeah, when Aaron attacks that guy, and just, yeah, you're right, like, totally, like, stabs his neck back, like, that is... uh 
definitely a little more violent than you would expected it from from twelve year old girls. So, well, but, yeah. um, I love so many of the uh, character designs introduced. It. Like I love uh, 2000s Tiff. Like I, oh. I would totally mm-hmm. try to date 2000s Tiff. She yeah. looks awesome, Chris, her <laughs> husband. Even those dudes, I think they were called deacons, the ones that come and uh, assault the church. Like they have a yes. really neat design, and they and, have the, and, the uh, stop signs, like the the yeah, like, like the stop signs that like shoot out heat rays or whatever. Yeah, uh, Kanta looks awesome. So does uh, gosh, that I'm losing her name. The uh, cave girl, um, Wari. Wari, she looks awesome with like the tattoo over under her eye and around her eye. Mm-hmm. And even the cavemen look cool. Like, they're big, burly. They look like very stereotypical, like, Hanna-Barbera cavemen, but they're very muscular, very burly. But then, you know, with having the, uh, the tech, you know, random bits of technology on them, it's, like, a really cool look. And, uh, and um, he, when, they, when he needs to talk with the main caveman, he takes, he has one of the translator discs, but instead of having it, the collar around his neck, he, like, puts it into an open wound in his hand versus yeah. translate again like th- like the art style isn't super gruesome but then when you think about some of the stuff that's happening it's pretty gory and gruesome yeah under under the the, the tutelage of someone else's pencil this would be a really like right disgusting comic because like some of the, the some of the future tech also looks like lungs and brains and stuff like that and so yes. like yeah like that was more realistically made, which I'm wondering what they're going to do in the live action, how realistic they're going to make that stuff look because yeah, it's going to look kind of gross <laughs> when they do it. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, like, yeah, the character designs are amazing. Yeah. I agree with, with Kanta. Kanta is uh, like, looks like the future badass that would event time travel. You know, that's kind of like, yeah. And then also, you know, that would use it on, you know, she'd be the first test subject essentially to go out there. And then also she becomes like the, uh, the biggest proponent of getting rid of time travel because like she realizes when she gets to the ancient past that she created a bunch of time rips, you know? Yeah. She's like, oh crap. Like, no, I just like her whole thing was like, I was just going to come back here and look around. Yeah. (laughs) And she realizes she just kind of messed things up. Um, but yeah, she has a pink mohawk. She has like, you know, kind of a traditional space suit, but you know, it's a comic and she's a female character. So it's a little bit more form fitting, but yeah. like, yeah, no, it's just a really neat design. And then there's the, uh, when KJ uh, kills the caveman, his blood splatters across his conscious face. And they use that image twice in the book, but it's a great image. <laughs> like it yeah. looks like it looks awesome and wild it's really really fun to check out that's one of kj's uh like premonitions and so you see it out of context at first and it's like it looks like it looks insane when you first see it and then you you see how it happened and it's still pretty insane (laughs) so Mm. yeah it's pretty cool all right well i guess that's it for our second volume the empire strikes back of our uh of our three-part series here uh (laughs) hope you all enjoy and that uh Luke is um, Darth Vader's son, and uh, I guess uh, we'll hope you all enjoy and uh, join us uh, next week when we talk volumes five and six, aka issues 21 through 30. So, for uh, so Richard, uh, you have a good day, and I'll talk to you later. <laughs> and, we'll, <laughs> we'll all t- and we'll all talk to you all later. So, thank you. All right, bye bye. <laughs>
Later.